Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Kiara, Q-I-A-R-A. Surprise pregnancy and it ended up being a double surprise. Mm. A panic attack, actually. <laughs> There's two babies in there. <gasps> what? You know, oh, even 30, 31 weeks, I was just um, crying daily, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well and truly over it (laughs) yeah Yeah. a huge challenge and hats off to all the c-section mums because it's it's massive it's it's major abdominal surgery and yeah the recovery is is a lot is that there's an interruption to this developmental process um and they're born without that maturity to coordinate their suck swallow and breathing pattern oh well it was like my eldest daughter all of her dreams came true like she got two baby sisters on the same day it was yeah, exactly. Anyway. anyway, what's another two? <laughs> <laughs> but reassurance is a really important thing yes. in the early days with the newborns. In the middle of the night, I would literally wake up and have no idea who I had fed last. Hello and welcome. Our Tits Up guest today is Emily Brittingham. And today we're talking about feeding and mothering twin babies. Emily's an international board certified lactation consultant. That's an IBCLC for those of you who wonder what those little letters are whenever you see them. With a bachelor degree in health sciences and she spent more than five years volunteering as a breastfeeding counsellor with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Em's the founder and owner of Melbourne Lactation Consulting and offers online clinic and home consultations to take the stress out of feeding your baby. Emily is mother to five beautiful breastfed babies, including twin baby girls, and she's a writer for parenting websites. So welcome, Emily. Thank you, Pinky. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So you had three young children when Mm -hmm. you discovered you were pregnant with twins. Yeah, we had our perfect family, a daughter and two sons, family complete. Until that one day when I felt a little bit off and um, my period was a little bit late. And then what do you know, surprise pregnancy and it ended up being a double surprise. Oh, wow. How did you feel? What was your initial reaction? Um, To finding out it was twins. Mm. A panic attack, actually. (laughs) (laughs) A full-blown panic attack. So we were peak COVID. um, And so I was going to my first scan on my own which my doctor had, so I think my doctor must have had a little inclination. So when I first presented to her and told her I was pregnant, she sent me off to have all the blood tests. And when those results came back, she said, oh, I'm going to send you for a dating scan. And I thought, that's a bit strange because I'm pretty certain of my dates. I've always had a really regular cycle, but obviously she saw something with the hormone level that wasn't matching up there. So anyway, I went off and had this um, dating scan and when I went in, I I don't even know why I said this. I've never said anything like this in my previous pregnancies, but the first thing I said to the stenographer was, as long as it's not twins, I'll be fine. (laughs) And um, so then we're having a little laugh and joke and then he says to me, Emily, um, I just need to be serious with you for a moment because there's two babies in there. (gasps) what 
Um, so yeah, they're on my own um, in, in peak COVID, like I said. So I had a face mask, ripped that off, sat up, started hyperventilating, felt like the room was spinning. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> And he's like, it's okay, just breathe. You've got this. You can do this. And, um, yeah, anyway, the rest is history, I suppose. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you had no inkling that anything was different at that um, stage, No, perhaps. I really Not consciously. Didn't. Like, in hindsight, I felt a lot sicker, but I just thought it was because I had three kids and I was exhausted. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely had uh, a stronger bout of morning sickness, but I, I never, twins never crossed my mind until that moment. And there's none in your family? No, none in the family. Aha. Uh-huh. Hey, just for a minute, do you want to talk about the different kinds of twins? Because yours aren't identical, are they? No, they're not. So mine are what's called DCDA twins. So my little girls had their own separate sac and own separate placentas. So they basically came from two eggs. So two eggs were fertilised, I hyperovulated, um, and, yeah, that's that's how it happened. So um, with identical twins, they come from one egg that splits in half. Mm. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm. And two little girls. Yeah. Yeah, So what was your pregnancy journey like? Um, I love being pregnant. So it was great. Like it was exciting. Um, Look, being a little bit older now and having three kids already, it was, it was tiring. Um, You know, I was sick for a little while, but that passed. But um, the time between being sick and being really physically huge and exhausted wasn't much time. Um, Although I said I love being pregnant, like it was definitely the most challenging of my four pregnancies. And then by the time I got to the end, so I made it to 34 weeks um, before they were born, but around you know, even 30, 31 weeks, I was just um, crying daily, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well and truly over it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But it's good to hear, for other mums to hear that, you know, you have those emotional swings, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, all in all, um, I've been pretty lucky with all my pregnancies, like stick in the first trimester, but never to the point of even throwing up, just feeling nauseous and, and feeling tired. But apart from that, yeah, it's like, I like the feeling of being pregnant. It's a really special time. And, you know, without Mm. challenges aside, it it was lovely. Like all of my pregnancies have been lovely, really. Mm. And 34 weeks. So you went into spontaneous labor at 34 weeks. Was it a Yeah. So went into labor. Um, I knew it was coming. I have the same sort of thing has happened with all of my children where I have what I call a slow burn meltdown over the course of about 48 hours beforehand. So nesting like crazy, extremely hypersensitive. Um, And I just knew uh, every time I've just known like the babies are coming. I knew. Um, Yeah. So uh, I drove myself into hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but at that point you hadn't had waters broken or show. No, so waters didn't break, but um so contraction started. Yeah. Right. Started dilating. Yeah. 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 Yep. So all so systems that, go. 
So you drove yourself to hospital. Of yeah. course, it was COVID, wasn't it? So were you? Yeah, it was. But, um, so I'd actually been booked in to have a growth scan that afternoon. So at that stage, I was having growth scans weekly because they thought there was a discrepancy between the twins, which they actually ended up only being 60 grand different um, between them when they were born. But something wasn't quite accurate with the growth scans. But anyway, I had been going weekly. So I had an appointment that afternoon and I thought, oh, I'll just drive myself in. <laughs> um, I just get a bit like that when I'm in early stages of labour as well. I think um, I think of a cat, which sounds weird, but you know how when a cat goes to give birth, they go and they hide under a couch or yes. they put themselves away. I have this instinct to sort of like, I'll just take care of this myself. And my mum had been here and she was like, please let me drive you. And I said, it's fine. I'm just going for the scan and everything's going to be fine. Anyway, so I went to have the scan and, and just had an even bigger breakdown when I got there emotionally. Um, and they said, are you okay for us to still have a look? And they did. And they said, look, why don't you walk yourself down to labour and delivery and have a little chat with them? And so I was like, <laughs> All right, I think that's a good idea. And by the time I got there, I was like five centimetres dilated. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, you know, Dan came in and, yeah, so I ended up being an emergency caesarean um, because both twins were breech and they just deemed that that was the safest way to deliver them, which I agree with. Yeah, and even that, the recovery from that when you you didn't have any C-sections with your other babies? Yeah, all the other babies were vaginal births, so this was completely different and so much harder so much harder than I expected yeah that was that was a, a huge challenge and yeah, hats recovery. off to all the c-section moms because it's it's massive it's it's major abdominal surgery and yeah the recovery is is a lot yeah yeah and I don't think people acknowledge that I mean people often not say at all. things like oh that's the easy way and you kind of go not at all a part of me honestly still thought that um, you know, uh, well, not that I thought it was easy, but I just didn't really anticipate it to be as hard as what it actually was. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That recovery is hard. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah. And so, of course, at 34 weeks, those babies would have been in special care nursery. They were. Yeah. So straight to NICU for the babies um and recovery for me um so I didn't really get any any time with them at all when they were born um I had a really quick hold of one of the babies and I was not feeling very well um like immediately post-surgery so I couldn't really I didn't even really want to hold her so she was they're both taken away Dan went to NICU with them and I went to recovery for four or five hours um, and then I was just being taken straight up to the ward um, and Dan was going home because in COVID he wasn't allowed on the ward out of visiting hours. So mm. I went, just scooted past NICU, said hello to my babies, which was the strangest thing in the world, um, and then up to the maternity ward on my own, which was really sad, really lonely. Yeah, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, from going from being, you know, three people, me and my two babies I've been pregnant with for 34 weeks to going up to a room by myself, Ooh. it was, it was, yeah, um, the loneliest night of my life, basically. Yeah. Mm. So when did you actually get to see and hold them? 
So I didn't get to hold them until later the next morning. Um, so I didn't sleep at all that night. I just stared out the window, um, longing for my babies pretty much, um, and started to express some clostrum, um, to, which was just being taken down to them. Um, I had a catheter and everything and like wasn't, wasn't up for moving. Yeah, Yeah, it was just wasn't possible until wasn't until about eleven o'clock the next morning. So about fourteen hours after they were first born was the first time I got to hold, Um, and then didn't attempt a breastfeed until even later that night. So probably about twenty four hours after they were born. Mm, That's Mm. big. Yeah, yeah, that's really big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you, when, when did they come home? What, you know, what was the timeline for you getting home and them getting home? And did you have to go backwards and forwards for feeds or were yeah. they allowed to come home? Had to you? go backwards and forwards. So I was um, an inpatient for, I think it was four nights, three or four nights, actually forget now, maybe it was three. But I stayed yeah. to recover from my C-section a little bit and then left and went home um, without the babies. And their timeline was, um, well, okay, so they had some immediate concerns, um, which was stabilising safe breathing um, and thermoregulation, so maintaining their own body temperatures. The ones that was under control the next thing to sort of the next step towards getting them home would be having them on suck feeds so I suppose um putting my IVCLC hat on like you and I understand there's lots of really complex neurophysiologic and motor functions involved in infant feeding and yeah. these develop and mature in utero and once the baby has been born so what happens with preterm infants is that there's an interruption to this developmental process um, and they're born without that maturity to coordinate their suck, swallow and breathing pattern. Um, and what's really important about that suck, swallow and breathing pattern is that that protects the baby's airways, um, avoids milk entering the trachea, which can cause aspiration. So my girls had to have nasogastric tubes due to the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, they had more immediate needs to be taken care of before establishing feeding. So stabilising safe breathing patterns, thermoregulation, um, and then the issues around feeding um, became, uh, were just something that was put aside for a little a little while until everything else was well and on track. Um, so, you know, in terms of breast milk, everyone in NICU and special care and myself know how important that is for for newborn babies, like neonates and especially preterm infants. So we're very much on to, you know, expressing and giving them breast milk. But as far as direct breastfeeding, it just wasn't very high on the agenda. Um, and I suppose that's where my challenges really began. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, um, yeah, maintaining a milk supply without directly or exclusively breastfeeding was was my biggest challenge so while the while the girls were in NICU and special care it was easy you know someone else was caring for them all the time and I was Mm. home all this time to express um and 
going back and forth twice a day, feeding them, um, breast, like directly breastfeeding or having breast contact when we were there, um, dropping off my gallons of milk at the time every day and, and going back home and, you know, having so much help with caring for my other three children and sort of looking after myself. Um, yeah, and then when they came home, things got even more challenging. <laughs> oh, that's hard, isn't it? Because then, yeah. And how 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 about the other kids adjusting around this? That you've suddenly got these babies at home that need so much care. Oh well, it was like my eldest daughter; all of her dreams came true. Like she got two oh. baby sisters <laughs> on the same day. It was, it was she loved it. She's a little mum, so she from day one has has been a genuine help. Like you think how much help can a nine-year-old offer? Well, the answer is a lot. She's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So my girls, I had an eight and an 11-year gap when I had James, our youngest. And they were amazing. Yeah, incredible. The boys, not so much. Look, they loved their (laughs) love their little baby sisters. But in terms of help, well, yeah. There weren't any help at all, <laughs> but but they're yeah, a bit younger, daughter, aren't they? Oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're a bit younger. Yeah, seven yeah. and five. Yeah, um, yeah, and my daughter was nine. So, but she's just worth her weight in gold. She's yeah, and you can actually safely let a nine-year-old sit there and hold that baby while you have a shower, can't you? Yeah, or yeah, or just trust her to tell me, you know, if something is wrong. So I actually did, like you said, like to be able to have a quick shower. I know if I've left a baby in their cot, if something happens, if that baby becomes distressed or something, she's going to come straight to me and tell me. I really had that trust in her. And yeah, just little things like even just little things like, Summer, can you get me a wipe? When I'd be there trapped with, you know, an explosive nappy and I'd run out of wipes and she'd be like, sure, mum, you know, just always anything (laughs) to help. Yeah, she's a gem. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a a hands-on helper. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And the good thing about COVID, I mean, this is terrible to say, but um, when I had the girls, school was in lockdown too. So I had her 24-7 at home. <laughs> she was my really help. But when school went back, I was so happy for her, but sad for me. I'm like, oh, no, I'm losing my helper. <laughs> but what learning for her? It's real life yeah. learning. You know, yeah. so much learning that's, that's yeah. really valuable. Yeah. And I mean, it was a special bonding time, really, us all being home together. Like yeah. it, it wasn't ideal, but, you know, in hindsight, it, it was nice being in our little cocoon or to eat our little nest all together yeah yeah that's that's quite nice but what about other help like was your mum able to visit for instance or yeah not really um so I'm trying to remember exactly what stage of lockdown it was because I think um it wasn't the full-on one but there was still really strong hospital protocols. So I know like no one came and saw me on the ward, but mm. we did have some visitors one at a time in special care. Like even the kids were only allowed, our own children were only allowed one at a time. So we'd sort of rotate them. But once I got home from hospital, we were definitely allowed visitors in the home and everything, provided nobody had COVID, of course. Mm. Um, but yeah, they were an awesome help. Like my mum and Dan's mum are both retired. So um, yeah, they were there for oh, just so many meals and helping with the older children. And yeah, just a lot, a lot of support, which was fantastic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that transition, although it was tricky, was actually smoother than it could have been, perhaps. 
yeah, the transition from bringing the girls home. Or... From three to five kids. Oh, three to five. Oh, gosh. That's massive, yes. well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was big, yeah. But, I mean, I, and I, I said it, I say it all the time, I can't imagine having twins as my first because mm. I feel like I'm already in this momentum of motherhood. Like, whatever, let's just add two more to the crazy life that we already have, you know. What's another yes. two? But um, so Dan, my partner, and I both feel like going from none, so going from no children to one child was the biggest change for us. And then after that, you sort of, you know, Life's chaotic life. anyway. And Sorry. Life's chaotic in your standards yeah, exactly. of change anyway. anyway. What's another two? <laughs> uh, no, but I feel like they really slotted into our family so beautiful. It's like they were just, they always were always meant to be. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Now get on to feeding. Yeah. How did you do it? Did you, you know, I mean, obviously breastfeeding twins is a hard journey no matter what experience you've already mm. had, no matter how long, you know, because you breastfed all your other children for quite a while. I did. Um, you know, and then to have two babies, it is big to breastfeed twin babies. And it's huge. What happened? Yeah. Yeah, yeah look, I mean, coming into it, um, so obviously through my line of work, like I knew it was possible. Um, I had every confidence. I had plans. Um um unfortunately for me I wasn't able to continue breastfeeding as long as I had hoped um and look I've grieved that and I've unpacked that and I understand why what happened happened um and I have accepted that it was out of my control um and um, and be proud that I was able to breastfeed for six months or breast milk feed for six months. Um, and, you know, even though I didn't meet my original goal, that doesn't take away from all the benefits that, you know, giving them breast milk for the first six months of their life has given them for their lifelong health. So I'm proud of that. Australian-made known Chiara probiotics, isolated from breast milk, have been helping families for over 10 years. A proud supporter of World Breastfeeding Week 2022, Chiara is formulated to support health during pregnancy and breastfeeding while reducing symptoms and occurrence of mild mastitis. Take Chiara pregnancy and breastfeeding from preconception, your last trimester, or throughout your entire pregnancy and breastfeeding. Right now, you can get 15% off all of their range. Simply go to kiara.com.au, that's Q-I-A-R-A.com.au, and use the discount code TITSUP when you check out. As I was saying a little bit earlier, for me, the biggest challenge was just not being able to directly breastfeed, I think, from the start. So that period of separation after the cesarean birth, um, not having that um, actual direct skin-to-skin -skin contact to really help establish and maintain my supply. So I was able to exclusively breastfeed for two months, but 
after that was having lots of different issues, um, breast refusal. I had some issues with thrush for a while, um, vasospasm as well. Just uh, Florence having a posterior tongue tie as well was a huge issue. Um, and all of these things were leading to less and less direct breastfeeds and more breast milk feeds um, through the bottle and, you know, bottle preferences developing then and just the way my body physiologically responds to pumping, which isn't great. I never expressed breast milk for any of my other children. Uh, I think Darcy maybe a couple of times when he needed top-ups because Darcy was always born, uh, sorry, also born a little bit early. So he was on top-ups very early in his life. But for the others, you know, I breastfed for years with with never expressing a drop. So, um, yeah, I'm just one of those women that, um, and, and this was even with the help of prescription medication, um, you know, I just don't yield very much from a pump. Um, and so without the babies to help my supply, it just dwindled basically, um, which was really, really challenging. Um, yeah, and everything else that was happening. So we got to uh, around about five months into the breastfeeding journey, um, breast refusal got so much that um, either one or both were basically refusing all feeds, so every feed offered within a 24-hour period. Um, so I was relying on exclusively pumping um, and I was certainly not getting anywhere near enough to be exclusively breast milk feeding, so was doing mixed feeding then. Um, and, yeah, so from, five, from months five to month six, there was no direct breastfeeding at all, exclusive pumping, and I saw my supply crash and burn and along with my mental health um it was just so so distressing at the time um just yeah really really hard for me to understand why I was doing all these things and nothing was helping um and especially my line of work as well just totally feeling so out of control that um, I got to a point where I made the decision at six months that I was also going to stop expressing um, and just move to um, solids, which they absolutely loved, um, and formula feeding from then. Right, yeah. And, I mean, we also know um, that, that, must, that grief must have been awful. When it was huge. Done it, you know, when you've breastfed your other children for so long. Yeah. It must yeah. have been awful. I know I remember pumping for my first child in Niku, and look, the pumps weren't even good in those days, but mm. anytime I've expressed, it never, I never got a lot. Yeah. So yeah, some, that same. does happen to some women that they just mm. don't respond well to a pump, even though you know every technique about how to yeah. you know, boost your supply with a pump. Oh, but trust you, me, I tried it all. Yeah. I know, I'm sure you did. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it doesn't, for some women, that just doesn't yeah. fail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've heard of women having demur with a pump, but not when mm. they're breastfeeding. So yeah. that that's, a you know, to do with your letdown. But, you know, women having different sensations, different feelings, not being yeah. able to you know work that so that's really sad but you also know what a gift you've already given your babies in six months anyway yeah I do in yeah. hindsight 
And like I said, yeah, now I've got that, you know, gift of hindsight um, and uh, really like if I could do it all again, I'm not sure I could do anything that would change what happened or the outcome or, but I know for certain there is one thing I would definitely do differently um, and that was to get professional help sooner. Um, so I did get help from another IBCLC, um, but I feel like I tried to just self-manage for far too long. And even if it didn't change the outcome, even if I just had her for emotional support earlier, it would have been so much beneficial, so much more beneficial. So, um, uh, like, yeah, I just regret not getting help sooner. Mm, but you never know that, do you? No, you don't. That's what you I don't. said with that beautiful thing called hindsight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a good thing to remind other mums, you know, yeah, as soon as absolutely. You, feel, you know, you feel worried really, isn't it? I mean, even when things are going well, I feel like so much of my job is reassurance, but reassurance is a really important thing yes. in the early days with a newborn. So you don't even have to have a problem to seek help, you know, just to mm. have that reassurance when things are going well, it's beneficial too. So you'd suggest to a mum, well, antenatally, see a lactation consultant, but, oh, but always, had, yes. always. Like yeah. everyone pregnant, I think there's so much focus on the birth, which don't get me wrong, is incredibly important, but it's one day and there are so many more days after that one day with your baby. And I think just learning about breastfeeding and feeding at all, you know, is, is really a really important part of pregnancy. And then seeing someone as a follow-up, after you've had that baby yeah yeah like I said if things are going well just for that reassurance and to stay on track and to keep things going well mm. yeah yeah and keep it going yeah. um and when you were feeding them did you feed them together or did you feed them separately have you got oh so we did a total mix twins? sorry okay. have you got you know like any twin feeding tips for mums yeah so oh my goodness so I did manage to exclusively breastfeed for the first two months on demand and so I was looking back in my notes um, before the podcast um, I used to track when I had fed them because in the middle of the night I would literally wake up and have no idea who I had fed last I was <laughs> like was it twin A was it twin B have I fed this one twice no idea like I was so exhausted and it was just also confusing so I was looking back at my notes from which I had screenshot and I'd kept and it was like Oh my goodness, it was just so crazy. Like 1:30 a.m. breastfeed one on the left side, 2 a.m. breastfeed the other twin on the right side, 3:45 a.m. tandem feed, 4:45 a.m. pump, 5 a.m. tandem breastfeed and then switch one baby to the other side and the other baby falls asleep. It was just like <laughs> so um look twins is very different I must say and the twins that I see in my work as well so most often for a single baby we say you know breastfeeding on demand is really important to maintain your supply twins are a little bit different and for some people breastfeeding to a schedule actually works better um, so it just depends on your own individual circumstances, but I mean, really everyone with multiples must see uh, someone, you know, a lactation consultant. It's just, 
really, really essential. Like I said, even when things are going well, you just want to make sure that you are keeping on track and you never know there could be like a, a time-saving tip or a, you know, positioning mm. and attachment tip that just sort of helps you. But yeah, it was, it was fun, um, tendon feeding and, and just the juggle and all the sort of different positions you can get them in, you know, you've got them sort of all tangled up in front of you or both under each arm and well, one under each arm and yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> it's pretty good yeah. to add to my resume, I suppose. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, this lactation consultant has done it herself. Yeah. <laughs> And she can, yeah, and, and all those little tips. Yeah, because I, I know some twin mums, you know, will sort of demand feed, but if one wakes up, they'll wake the other one up to tandem feed. Yeah, yeah. So like I was saying, <clears throat> definitely different to a single baby. So feeding on schedule can certainly work, uh, be a lot more um, workable for mums with twins or triplets. Yes, triplets are mind boggles, yes. Yeah. I had a friend with triplets and she had a, two-year-old who wow. she'd express the milk and he tipped out the milk and oh it oh. was a circus but as toddlers those triplets were wild yeah partners <laughs> in crime and now you have got toddlers haven't you are they toddling yet they're just one aren't they yeah so they're 15 months now so they're starting to um stand and and take little st- steps here and there and um we renovated our house um when the girls were born so we've got another level in our house now so they're loving the stairs <laughs> always, <laughs> there's always a child an older child forgetting to close the baby gate while well, shouting out shut the baby gate because I can hear the little pitter patter going up the stairs <laughs> um, so yeah no they're a lot of fun now <laughs> yeah yeah that's quite a wild age isn't it with toddlers yeah, like it is yeah, yeah. yeah. and are they little partners in crime Oh, definitely, for sure. Yeah, they're not interested in any of their thousand toys. They just like ripping things out of drawers and the kitchen cupboards, uh, like their biggest toy box. So every night at about 5 p.m. at my house, it's a bit of a zoo, me cooking dinner and utensils all over the floor and crying babies and older children saying, I'm hungry, how much longer? And it's chaos. (laughs) You are doing such a great job. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, but yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just have to laugh, don't you? Or you'd rock you in do. the corner somewhere. Otherwise you'd cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting in the corner rocking with tears, yeah, you know, sure. and your tea towel wiping your tears away. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So before we sign off, yep. thank you for that, you know, all your gentle, empathetic and super practical help that you do offer mums because I've known you for quite a long time and I know you're super practical. Yeah. (laughs) And for sharing on this interview. Now, where can people find out more and how can they contact you? Yeah, sure. So I have a website for my business is called Melbourne Lactation Consulting. So the website for that is melbournelactationconsulting.com.au. I'm also on Instagram at melbourne underscore LC and Facebook at Melbourne Lactation Consulting as well. And I'll put those in the show notes so people can just have a quick look at the show notes and find you and especially mums with twins who want some practical help and some I have support. seen lots of twins since I've had mine so yeah you? It's, oh, specialty. Yeah. yeah yeah it's definitely good to have um lived the experience for sure when helping other twin mums 
Yeah, well, it makes such a difference. I mean, I yeah. haven't had twins, but there were three sets of twins born across the road from us within about a year or so. Oh, wow. And yeah. Something in the water there. <laughs> something in the water. And I said to my girls, don't you drink the water if you go yeah. over there. <laughs> and one of the um, mums used to turn up at my place about seven o'clock every night. And just ha- and it was wintertime, so it was quite dark. And she just had me on and says, I brought you your one. And I'd unwrap this baby to see which one she brought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she'd come babies. and sit down and have a cup of tea at my place. But, you know, that was pre-COVID. So, yeah, it was yeah, easy. And I used to just, and I'd put him in my sling and walk him around. And, you know, she could sit down and have a cup of tea. And <laughs> Yeah. Oh, how beautiful. It was good fun. And she left the other one at home with her mum who was living, you know, she was living with her mum. So, yeah. You know, her mum had the other one and, yeah, lots of... Oh, lots it's of like the village, the village, the village raising child. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and it was lovely. And I didn't mind having a cuddle. You know, I don't of mind if someone not. drops in with a baby and I get a cuddle. So, and you can hand them back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't have overnight, fed at three, fed at four, fed at five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no sleep. Yeah. So here's a question I ask all of our guests. Now, Mm -hmm. just because you're amazing in your field as a professional, it's reassuring for other mums to know that we're all mums who mess up sometimes. So I know you've shared your tits up experience about breastfeeding, but have you got another tits up mum moment? Oh, gosh, I have five kids. Of course I do. Um, Yeah, no, I have a funny story, actually, that happened to me recently. So um, I'd done the big morning run. I had dropped the eldest two at school, the middle child at kinder, I had the twins in their car seats and I had to go straight to the shops because I the house was bare, no essential items. I'm cooking toilet paper, milk, bread. I, I had nothing and I just needed to get straight to the shops. And somehow in that morning chaos, I had forgotten the nappy bag. Um, and I realised just as I was pulling into the shops that I'd forgotten it and I thought, oh, stuff it I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and get out without it what's the worst that could happen and like you can probably gather where this story is going like how naive naive of me to think what's the worst that could happen so I get out at the shops and set up the double pram which is just like an effort in itself um get the first twin out put her in get the second twin out and realize oh she's a little bit damp around her leg um and before I got her in the pram I realized oh no it's not damp it's poo and it's everywhere like down her leg up her back and also all over the car seat so I'm thinking I can't put her back in the car seat I've already got twin one in the pram strapped in next to the car um I can't put it in the pram I don't want to get that dirty I'm holding her at arm's length because I don't want her body touching me covered in poo uh, and I'm thinking what, what can I do I know I don't have my nappy bag um I just I, I don't know what to do so I was trying to open the boot like one-handed with my foot I'm thinking what have I got in here what can I use so I found a rogue nappy which was you know like a newborn size or something um and a picnic rug and a bag of clothes that I'd meant to drop off in the donation bin which I'd forgotten to do so I was like, I'll oh, just grab this stuff. So I bundled up the picnic rug and put that onto the pram and then sort of laid her awkwardly on top of that so her punami didn't have to touch the pram and, and grabbed the bag and the nappy and went into the shops. Lucky I was going to a shopping centre, so there was actually a parent's room. So I got into the parent's room and it was just an absolute 
disaster. Um, I could hardly even get her onesie off without getting poo in her hair. Managed to get that off and I just threw it in the bin, like not even attempting to take that thing home. Wiped her down with wet paper towel. I had no wipes or anything. Put on this tiny, squeezy, too small nappy. And then I thought, oh, what have I brought in in this bag of clothes? And it was from when I cleaned out my son's drawers, my seven-year-old son. So I ended up having a size six pair of tracksuit pants and a raincoat. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to have to put that on her because I have nothing else. Um, and I just, I have to get this stuff. I'm not going home without wipes or um, nappies uh, or toilet paper or anything at home. So I wheel out of the parents' room. I've got one twin bonnie in like her mauve lace dress her white stockings and her matching headband and poor florence who had the punami in her brother's size five tracksuit pants and a raincoat <laughs> that's the and one i don't really like <laughs> any twin mum will know this wherever you go shopping with twins you get stopped like you just it's unavoidable every time i go to the shops i get stopped so as soon as i walk in what do i see the classic lovely little old lady approaching me she's like oh have you got twins and she pokes her head in the prayer <laughs> she's like oh oh um is it a girl and a boy I'm like no two girls <laughs> and one looked like she'd been done up for a baby show and the other looked like she was homeless oh, in the <laughs> I found that one anyway in the, in I got myself and got home and lived to tell the tale but I just can't believe I could be so naive after having five children to think I could possibly go out in public without a nappy bag of course that would happen that day <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> and lucky that you're so relaxed about it Really. Oh, well, like you, you said, know. you got to laugh. What else are you you don't do? laugh, you cry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and finally, what's your best tip for our listeners on how to be the mum you want to be? Um, I suppose really just uh, trusting your own instinct. Um, I think as like all the time in life but especially in motherhood it's so strong um and it's so often right there's been a couple of instances where I've thought something was off with one of my children and you know other people have brushed me off and I, I, I've ended up being right because I, I think mums just know so I just you know believe in your own instincts and trust them and no one really is closer in this world than a mother and their baby so yeah mm, that's beautiful yeah and so true so yeah. true I mean a mum will think something's off or there's something wrong with a baby or a baby's not well or whatever and just, just being know. persistent yeah just being mm. persistent when you you know when people do try to brush you off yeah that's lovely okay oh, <laughs> yeah so thanks Emily it's been a oh, fun thanks. chat thanks yeah thanks for having me it was a pleasure Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to elders past, present and emerging. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find the support and information too.